Welcome, North Star Community Podcast listeners. This is Scott, one of the pastors at North Star Community. And this is Teresa, the only other pastor at North Star Community. Uh, This is another podcast recap. Now, before you listen to this one, you may want to listen to the one that was posted last week, which is uh, was titled something like the weeds in the wheat. That was a very difficult message. Um, You can hear more about it uh, just by listening to it. I don't need to say much about it here since we've already put all that on tape. But this one may not make a ton of sense. I'm not sure where it's going to go. We always are a little bit loosey-goosey, but there's a possibility that what we talk about today may not make enough sense to you without first listening to that one because Teresa's message this week was in uh, direct response to the message the week prior, which is that weeds in the wheat message. So, Yeah, this um, was the practical application and also my attempt to reframe what was a very triggering message the weekend before. So normally uh, it may not matter as much what order you listen to, but it will matter this week. So uh, let's dive in. Last week's message was one that produced a lot of anxiety. It was a very difficult biblical passage. Um, I think you handled it well and um, certainly got a chance to say everything you wanted to say about it, everything we wanted to say about it in the podcast last week. Now, moving forward, um, what did you want to add to this message? I think the big picture idea we have been working off of is that it, evil and good are so intertwined in this world. It's it's difficult often to see what God is up to and what he's doing. That's very challenging for us. Uh, there are some implications of that. Maybe you want to give us just a couple of those um, just to remind us of what we talked about and then tell us how you got to where you were with this message. Okay, well, I don't know what all that stuff was you just said. <laughs> well, we just did. We just recorded well, we that just podcast did record a couple that message. hours ago. So, so let me say this uh, as best I can. Um, I think that what I wished I had said in that message was um, that it's very hard to know what God is up to in the world. And if somebody's sure, you don't give them any money um, and also don't get in a car with them. Uh, But in addition to that, that in the end, all the things that we don't know the answers to and that we don't understand, it's all going to get sorted out. And I think that that's really important as an anxiety reducer, which is why I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was surprised that there was a lot of anxiety to the message uh, last week when we used that tough parable out of Matthew 13. But in addition to that, I want to I want to pull the curtain back behind Oz a little bit and set up this message in terms of your and my shared philosophy about how we do messages. Okay. I don't know. If I were a podcast listener, I think I'd like to know what people's intentions are, especially since I'm so often poor at delivering on them. So um, I would like to say this. That at North Star Community, you and I work really, really hard to try to take burdens off of people's backs. Yes. And we try to do that in our podcast, too, because we know that at least at North Star Community, our community shows up a little bit beaten up. Yep. Um, We know that um, the messages that so many people receive, be all you can be, uh, try harder. Uh, you can rise to the top. 
succeed, 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 and maybe to sum it up, go big or go home, are messages that are counterproductive to people who are showing up, having been on the receiving end of a big stick, demanding that they live up to their potential, all the while doubting if that's even possible. And I think we try to speak into that, offer a moderating or even a counter message to that pressure. What do you think? Do you agree? Yeah. And I mean, I think we uh, sort of paid lip service to this point in the prior podcast. So I apologize if I sound repetitive to the listeners. But I think the the idea being um, underneath what you're talking about there is that when we feel so much pressure, and I think that all of those societal messages are ones that induce a lot of pressure. And when there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of anxiety. And when there's a lot of anxiety, people have any number of responses, but specifically in the spiritual realm, when people feel a lot of anxiety, it causes us to shut down and withdraw or to feel hopeless, like we couldn't possibly be a spiritual person. We couldn't possibly be a person who somehow manifests God's will or pursues God's will or is able to put it on display in any kind of way um, in our lives. And so I think that um, what you're addressing is this pressure that leads to the anxiety, that leads to the paralysis of, you know, not really being able to, um, to live into that identity as people of faith. Yeah. And so it's not... Um, it's not the messages in and of themselves that you're attacking. It's the outcomes of all of the pressure and all of the stress. Right. That that faith should be more about having an eased burden and living uh, freely. Yeah. I think um, mentally, spiritually, physically. Yes. So I think all the time I would hope that if people... Um, um, we're going to say, hey, what was the one thing Teresa and Scott always said in every single message? Um, I would hope and pray that it would be summed up like this. God loves you. Breathe. Yeah. And, um, and that's important. Counter to that or the grand both slash and is that we also still must wrestle with this very big idea that we were created in the very image of God. We are created with the capacity to bear fruit. Now, I know wheat isn't fruit, so you don't need to send me a response about that, although I would love to hear from our listeners. But thinking of wheat as being something that is sustainable food, uh, something that nourishes, we were created to leave the world a little better than we found it. And I think we were created to uh, make the world a better place for all the people we live with to be in because we exist in that world. So I, I do really think that's an important point. Can I put a little bit different spin on that? Sure, go for it. So because in that parable, weeds and wheat are ultimately... Like those are metaphors for people. Yeah. Then I would say, and we're trying to get away from that pressured kind of language of performance. Right. That being wheat is not, you do not become a wheat 
by bearing fruit. Right. You become a wheat by recognizing that God loves you and then decide and then desiring to be part of his people and then becoming part of his people. Ultimately, you are going to be changed. And when you're changed, then you're going to be a person who bears fruit. And that's how people will know that you are one of God's people. Right. Which I know is like, that's kind of nitpicky and like getting down into the details and kind of the order of operations stuff. But I think it kind of helps helps. to make it, make it sound like you're not giving a message you just said that you were trying to undermine, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, and I'm giving a message to people who, if they're showing up in our community that leads with the foot of faith, uh, I, um... I'm very comfortable knowing that these are people who are um, at least trying to figure out where they where they fit in the world of spirituality. So there's all that. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> I came across this wonderful little book called Ten Percent Happier, written by Dan Harris, who is an ABC correspondent author for Nightline and co-author for the weekend edition of Good Morning America. And I wanted, I know this is so boring when I read stuff, but I wanted to uh, read the quote that we gave to our community last weekend that goes with this message. And if I could encourage you as you listen to this quote, I would like you to notice how this quote is not saying Um, that we do not strive or that we do not hope to be successful, right? It's It's not saying that we don't do that, but it's saying this is how one might do that in a way that is in keeping with being a healthy person. So he said this, striving is fine, as long as it is tempered by the realization that in an entropic universe, which means I didn't know what that word meant. So according to Google Dictionary, entropic means moving from um, order to chaos. chaos. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, moving from order to chaos. So Mm -hmm. things are going to get chaotic. The final outcome is out of your control. If you don't waste your energy on variables you cannot influence, like the final outcome, for example, you can focus much more effectively on those you can. I love these two words put together. When you are, here they are, wisely ambitious, you do everything you can to succeed, but you're not attached to the outcome so that if you fail, you are maximally resilient able to get up, dust yourself off, and get back in the fray. That, to use a loaded term, is enlightened self-interest. And so I love this quote, and I love the book, because Dan Harris was an example of a guy that has worked very hard to be successful and to live the American dream and get more airtime, and it has caused him a lot of heartbreak, and along the way, he made some very poor choices um, and then was able to write his ship, and he primarily gives credit to that, for going on a journey of trying to find out what it would be like to be able to be mindful, to be present, and he did that through meditation. 
So um, I, I thought it was you? a great, I thought it was a great quote. It is a good quote. And it, you know, I think that the, I think the two words that kind of sum it up from within the quote were the wi- uh, wisely ambitious, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Which is to say that like, um, it's not only important to measure, uh, have a, have a somewhat, um, to sort of measure how ambitious you are, but to sort of decide what areas in which it's important to be ambitious. Right. Right. So for us as spiritual leaders, obviously we are going to think that, um, being faithful people is the arena in which our ambition is most appropriately applied. Um, and, it, and the quote reminds me of another book that I'm getting ready to read uh, called, it's either called Fail Well or Lose Well by a comedian named Chris Gethard. Okay. I, I can't, I can't wait to read. Sounds like another theological tome. Yeah. But um, the uh, funny story from the weekend, you didn't realize this, but when I, I t- hand typed that quote into the software. Okay. And evidently I... Um, I either typed it in wrong or there was an autocorrect that changed wisely ambitious to wildly ambitious, which um, I was able to correct sort of on the fly. It had been up there for a minute maybe before I saw it. So uh, it's kind of funny. I think that wildly ambitious would change the entire. Yeah, would change the entire. Change the entire perception of what that quote meant and what it was trying to say. So I felt uh, pretty embarrassed about that, but. Well, it's funny because I think it probably would, Dan Harris might just say, I was wildly ambitious until I wasn't, and then I became wisely ambitious. Yeah. So uh, I think that's it. Um, But out of that whole conversation, so this idea of um, a rose in it uh, to be kind of a play off of his book title, 10% Happier, I was suggesting to the crowd what if you just sought to be 10% more virtuous? Right. So rather than thinking about it in terms of I'm either some kind of overseas missionary who lives in abject poverty or I'm not faithful at all. Right. Like rather than choosing between those two poles and feeling like the weight of the world is on your shoulders in order to be a faithful person. Right. What is a responsible alternative that's still something to shoot for. Yeah, because we go back to this idea that, you know, you and I, when we say God loves you, breathe, we're not just saying all there is to life is breathing, although that's a lovely thing to make sure you're doing. Um, But it's just this idea that, yeah, I mean, be wise in your spiritual ambitions, just like any other ambitions. And what if we thought about how to be just 10% more of what we think um, would be in keeping with our own sense of core values, our own sense of how we would bear God's image? Um, I loved what uh, the example your dad gave, and he said, well, I think I should meditate more. And I said, well, what would 10% more meditation look like? And he's like, well, 10% is zero, you know. Uh, So we had to sort of get through our grins and giggles about that. But seriously. Yeah, um, his exact quote was uh, 
10 percent of zero does not compute. Right. So <clears throat> he was taking the 10 percent more a bit literally when you were going from nothing to something. Which but I think you told him that which was a good response, which is like rather than trying to start with 10 or 20 minutes and like being super frustrated, you said start with a minute. Yeah. Which is like a reasonable, you know, it's a anybody can do a minute and again, it may not be the most pleasant minute that you ever have if it's your first time, but anybody could do that, you know, and it's great to think about things in terms of having a starting point rather than thinking only about what the most spiritual person in the world does and then trying to match it. Right. So I do think that this idea of 10% more virtuous or however you want to say it, we like to use the word virtue because we think it captures its meaning of being fully human and not the puritanical uh, definition of it. Um, I think everybody kind of enjoyed thinking, you know, hey, if you're an introvert, try talking 10% more. If you're an extrovert, try talking 10% less. Um, the introverts looked rather overwhelmed, as did the extroverts. Yeah, 10% sounds suggestion. like a lot. Uh, but, you know, um, I really think we're onto something with this just 10% more. I think it's in keeping with moving ourselves in the right direction, reducing our anxiety. Um, I don't know. It works for me. I, I like to think about it in terms of, um, like, imagine a world where, like, fathers and mothers were all, like, if the one thing they focused on was being loving and attentive to their children. Like, I think there's, you know, I think about the faith communities that I've been a part of and how everybody seems to think that there's an, an epic grand thing that they have to do now because God's going to give everybody a purpose and that purpose is going to be some huge thing. But it's like, how different would the world be if each of those people, rather than thinking about some epic purpose thought about being loving and attentive to their children. Um, that's, I mean, something that's like totally within our, our realm for the most part. Right. And yeah. yet it's not, it's not as easy to do as it should be as well. But at the same time with some, maybe with some strategic planning and some discipline and some therapy and whatever else, like we could figure that out and the world would be a much better place if our kids were all growing up in safe, loving, accepting, gracious, forgiving homes. Well, I'll go back since I started picking on your dad. I'll continue to pick on him. We'll make this the picking on Pete podcast theme for the day. But, you know, um, dad was sort of thinking in that message that it it was going to be hard for him to do 10% more. But yesterday, we just had the perfect example of him doing a really big thing that he didn't even think was a big deal thing. Um, but to me, was a big deal thing was coming over your house and holding uh, your baby, our grandbaby, while she was sick so that you could get a little bit of a break and go work out. Mm-hmm. And you tried to make that as easy on him as you could in terms of his work schedule by saying, hey, let's schedule it so you go down for while you're doing it while she's down for a nap and I'll just run out. 
And what did she do? You know, a few minutes into it, she threw up and then she did various other things that required him to attend to her. Yep. Um, so he did not work away on his computer, but I would say that he did the thing that he loved the most, which is rock that little bundle of joy. And um, you don't get many opportunities with her to snuggle because she's an active little girl. And I can't wait for her to get active again because she's so sick right now. But she needed somebody to snuggle with her, and he was there, and he got the privilege of doing that. Yep. And nobody's going to say, well, what a, what's that got to do with the grand epic adventure of life? And the point is everything um, because our mission um, is to be there for our grandchildren and to make them feel extraordinarily loved. And we're really clear on that as grandparents. Um, and so we we love it. And it, it, it's, um, I would just pray that everybody could see how small things that they actually quite love to do um, can be very powerful um, if they're not distracted by what they feel like is a crisis or that they must do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, simply caring for one another would be, uh, by and large, enough of a calling. I think so. Um, caring for a spouse, caring for a sibling, your friends, whoever. I mean, whoever's in your life, right? Not everybody has the same makeup of community around them. But um, yeah, whatever your community is and whatever they look like, um, it's possible to provide care. And sometimes that care is very simple. Sometimes it's just spending time together. I mean, we were talking about this earlier with our, with our live wires, with the, which is our, our kids program. I mean, sometimes we get together and we just spend time together and, you know, I can see, and I can hear from the, from the parents, how this is making a difference in these kids' lives. And, you know, it'd be very easy to feel like not much is happening there. Uh, But then when you hear the reports, you know, from the parents about how, much it matters to them and how they wouldn't miss it for the world. Um, I mean, it's just such an amazing thing. And it, it feels like I'm, you know, doesn't feel like it requires much effort. Oh yeah. And, um, that's kind of an amazing thing. You know, um, yesterday was, uh, a day off for me and, um, one of our, uh, kids in our community, car broke down and she had a doctor's appointment and uh, I got to take her for her I got to take her to her doctor's appointment and so her mom didn't have to miss work and whatnot I think we can all agree she's a pretty big introvert I'm a pretty big extrovert right so on the car ride over there we practiced the 10 percent she talked 10 percent more than she wanted to and I tried really hard to talk 10 percent less than I could <laughs> um but I think overall, just the comfort of being in the car is a long car ride for us and enjoying each other's company. And um, it was it was a really fun morning for me. Yeah. Um, and it was a fun morning for me because I wasn't distracted by anything other than thinking about what the big picture is. Yeah. 
which is being there for her, which I consider to be a grand privilege. Yeah. So I think we are naturally winding down. I think so. I mean, this is, I'm looking at the time count and this is a little bit short for us, which. Well, I don't think anyone's going to complain. Well, who knows? It kind of probably depends on how long the drive was while yeah. they're, um, but um, either way, I think the bottom line is um, it's often, um, often our efforts, I think, are being expended in the wrong areas. And so I think the challenge with doing 10% more is that it means doing less somewhere where we think we're going to get the validation that we need from life, Right. that we're actually never going to get it, and then putting one foot forward in an area that isn't our natural place to do it, right? where the influence will be much greater. And um, I think that discernment piece of figuring out which is which and when to do what is the real hard part. And because um, it, in theory, I think it sounds easy to, to think about doing 10%, but it's really not once you start processing what it means about the sacrifices you have to make in other areas. So anyway, that's kind of my, those are kind of my closing thoughts after reflecting on it for a couple of days. Yeah. Like I had to do 10% less exercise, 10% meal preparation, 10%, 10%, 10% of whatever it was I was going to do on the morning of my day off. Dad had to do 10% less work to hold little Nora. So for whatever you're doing 10% more of, you have to have an accompanying 10% less. Yeah. Both good things to think about. What have you got to give up and what do you want to add to to make your life more abundant, but more importantly, other people's uh, lives a little bit better? You know who makes my life a little bit better? I think if you're tracking with me the good music you get for completely no charge... At, ses- at Blue Dot Sessions. Indeed. And you can find them on the web at sessions.blue. You can find us on the web at North... Dang it. I'm going to leave that in. You know what? Mistakes are mistakes. You can find us on the web at northstarcommunity.com. You can uh, um, join with us, partner with us in our work to get small businesses involved in the work of battling substance use in our community. Um, you can learn more about that at leadthewayrva.org. Um, as always, we thank you for listening. And um, special shout out to Brooklyn, New York, who's been listening to us over the last couple of weeks. I don't think I told you that, but to our listeners in Brooklyn, we thank you. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.